Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. This is at Jesus' arrest in the garden. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's court. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples, too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what it is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Friends, this still is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, gracious and all wise God, holy God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks, oh God, that we have been able to gather together in this Bethel place to worship you, to give our hearts more fully to your service, to be filled more and more with your grace. Help us, oh God, in this time of teaching and preaching, of listening and learning, Help us, O oh God, to hear the word, to be convicted by the word. Help me to preach the word, O oh God, and then, O oh holy God, help us all to go out and live this word so that your name might be praised, your son glorified, and your kingdom on earth advanced. And we pray this and every prayer in the sweet name of the living God, our Savior, your son, and his name is Jesus, and it is marvelous. To our ears. Amen? Amen and amen. A place and a purpose. A place and a purpose. Well, friends, once again we find ourselves standing with Peter by fire. Much has happened between these two fires. By the first fire, Peter stood at a distance from where they had taken Jesus. By the first fire, Peter denied his identity as a disciple. He denied that he was a follower of Jesus. When asked, aren't you one of the man's disciples? All Peter could say is, I am not. Peter emphatically denied it. 
By that first fire, Peter denied even knowing who and what Jesus is and that he belonged with him, that he belonged to Jesus. When earlier he had professed that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus had the words to eternal life and that he would follow Jesus anywhere Jesus went. And now, and now Peter stands by another fire but this time he is face to face with the one he had denied belonging to and an identity he had rejected not once but three times. I know that we cannot fully understand why and how Peter and the other disciples must have felt having walked with Jesus those three years professing their love and then deserting and denying him. We may not know why they rejected their identity and their purpose as his disciples. But surely you and I know a little something about not living fully and faithfully into what we profess. Surely we know what it means to want to hide from our mistakes and the mess that we have made of our lives. We must know what it means to be dragged down by disappointment in ourselves by what we had done and, and how we have lived and what it means to live with feelings of uncertainty and hopelessness about what lay ahead. Surely we must know something about our feelings of inadequacy, whether or not we're good enough whether or not we're capable of being who and what God has called us to be and what Jesus needs us to be. This is the place where Peter finds himself between what he used to be, what he thought he would be, what he wanted to be, and now doesn't know what will be. He was supposed to be the rock, remember? And it is into this place of personal failure, this place of uncertainty and hopelessness, disappointment and despair that Jesus comes. Jesus always comes to us in those moments of disappointment, those moments of pain when we don't know who we are. We don't know what our next step should be. Jesus comes to call Peter again. To restore him to right relationship, not just with Jesus or with his brother disciples, but with his very self. Jesus comes and invites Peter to reclaim his identity as a disciple again. Jesus comes and invites Peter to restore his place among the other disciples and to remind him of his purpose. And so three times Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, not Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? By allowing Peter to confess his faith three times, Jesus is testing the depth of Peter's conviction and is drawing him back into community. His denials, his sins had moved him to the periphery of his relationship with Jesus and even with himself. How do you think Peter felt after denying that he even knew Jesus? After denying that three years were wasted and that and when it was tough and difficult, he denied being a disciple. How do you think Peter felt about himself? 
His denial had moved him from his place of purpose. His denial had messed up his identity, his sense, his, his understanding of who he really was, that he was truly called and to whom he really belonged. That's what our denials do to us, right? When we aren't clear about who and whose we are, we'll behave any kind of way. How do we think right about ourselves? So Jesus asked him, do you love me? Not once, but three times. And surely that third time must have really stung. That third time must have hurt more deeply than the other two. Imagine if someone you love, one of your children or your mother, your father, someone you really love, asked you three times, do you love me? Are, are, are you sure you love me? Do you really love me? Wouldn't that be painful to you? That they might not know, that they might not see, that they might not, might not believe in your love for them because of what you did, what you said, how you acted. But Peter says that third time, Lord, you know. Like the psalmist, Lord, you have searched me, you know me. You know me when I rise, when I get up. You know me when I lie down. Lord, you, where can I go that you don't know me? Peter says, you know all things, God. You, you know that I love you. <laughs> when Peter affirms that he loves the Lord, he affirms to whom he belongs. He affirms his identity as a disciple by saying, Jesus, I love you. When he says, I love you again and again, he repositions himself as a follower, as one who belongs to Jesus and what Jesus died for and lives for. That if he loves Jesus, he loves Jesus' mission. He is, in effect, saying, Lord, my place is with you. And we need to know that that place, that place as a disciple, our identity as a Christ follower requires a specific posture and comes with a sacred purpose. When Peter says that he loves Jesus more than these, and, and when, when, God, when, when my students would write paper and they would get put these and those, I would ask them, well, what's the antecedent? What are you referring back to? If it weren't clear from the previous sentence. And y'all, I, I believe that, that Jesus isn't asking him, do you love me more than these other people? Because he would say, do you love me more than them? I believe that he's just saying, Jesus, I love you more than anything. Jesus, I love you more than my tradition. Jesus, I love you more than my pride. Jesus, I love you more than my way. Jesus, I love you more than I, my past. Some people are so stuck on their past that they can't get to the place and posture of loving Jesus. Jesus, I love you more than my fears. I'm sorry I was afraid in the garden, but I can love you more than my fears. Jesus, I love you more than anything. I love you more than anyone. I love you more than my wants. Jesus, your wants are my wants. Jesus, I love you more than my will because your will will be my will. I love you, Jesus, just that much. 
When Peter affirms that loving Jesus is, is paramount in his life and is what, God, what gives his life meaning and direction, he is committing his entire life to following Jesus, to going where Jesus says go, to doing what Jesus says do, to loving as Jesus loved and loving those whom Jesus loves. To say that we love Jesus means more than just showing up to church and, and giving what COVID has done to us. To, I don't even know what it is now, but it, it means more than just doing a little bit. It means more than doing what's easy, more than doing what's comfortable, more than doing what we've always done. To say that we love Jesus means more than just being nice. Nice isn't in the Bible. It doesn't mean that we tolerate people, that we put up with people. It means loving people the way Jesus loved. It means loving the unlovable and the unloving. To say that we love Jesus is to risk loving those who may not love us back. To say that we love Jesus is to embody and to share the love that we have for Jesus with others. With those who are poor, and don't get me wrong, I'm not just saying people who ain't got no money, but people who are poor in spirit. Loving those who are hungry, not just hungry for food, but are hungry for righteousness and mercy. We are to love those who are disadvantaged, not again just economically, but what about people who don't know who and whose they are, who do not know that they are beloved? To love those who are vulnerable, who are set aside by society so easily. To say that we love Jesus means that we are to act, that we ought to be about God's purpose in the world. To say that we love Jesus means that we love Jesus' purpose. We love what he came to do, we're willing to do. That's what love is. Every time that Peter confessed his love for Jesus, Jesus responded by giving him good work to do, to feed his sheep. If you love me, fine, Peter, but then you got to feed my sheep. If you love me, Peter, then you got to feed my lambs. You got to take care of them. If you love Jesus, you got to do something, y'all. You got to love those who Jesus died for, too. Peter is not just given a place. Peter is not just given a position, but Peter is given a purpose. As a disciple, Peter is to put his love for Jesus into action by engaging in loving encounters with others. Friends, love must be embodied. Love must be given hands and feet, head and heart. Love must be lived out. How's somebody going to say they love you and ignore you? They say they love you, but they don't care that you don't have a place to live. They love you, but they don't care that you don't have enough food to eat. They love you, but they will let society victimize you, but they love you in Jesus' name. Well, what good kind of love is that? Love does good in the world and does good to others. For God's sake. 
Isn't that what John said? For God so loved the world that God gave. So if God can give, if God can live out God's love, then who are we if we are disciples of his son? Y'all, it's just too easy to say that we love the Lord. But don't or won't, can't love one another. We can say that we love the Lord, but we can tear one another down. Amen. We can claim to love the Lord, but we will talk about you behind your back. How can we say that we love Jesus? Isn't that what the epistle of John said? How can we say that we love Jesus, whom we have never seen, but we can't, we can't love the people we see every day? That epistle says you're lying, the truth ain't in you. That's the way my mama would say it. To have a place with Jesus is to have the right posture. To have a place with Jesus is to fulfill the purpose to which we have all been called. Which is to shepherd God's people into a relationship with Christ. To shepherd and lead and support God's people to know that they are beloved of God. That's right. Even the sheep we don't like. Even the sheep who go astray, even the sheep who fall away, right? And who keep doing the same crazy thing over and over again. We have to still love them. And even the sheep that does harm to others. The love that we are called to give is not this warm, fuzzy love. It's not the love that the greeting cards give you. Oh, no, this is a love that is sacrificial. This love is risky. This love seeks to restore people. This love seeks to reclaim people. This love seeks to reconcile and redeem. This love is going to cost you something. This kind of love involves the inherent expectation of doing. Love is as love does. This love is a love as courage. It takes courage to love like this. It takes conviction of the Holy Ghost to love like this. It takes a commitment to Christ to love like this. This is love as not wavering. Regardless of what we are called to do. Christ calls Peter and us as individuals and as a community of faith to follow him even where we would not otherwise go. Even where we might not want to go. Even where we have never been before. Years ago, and I mean years ago. Now, I, I know that Detrick Haddon has a song that, that's like this, and, but it was published in 2015. And I remember this at, at the Touch of Faith, and that Touch of Faith was the gospel choir at USC. I remember them singing this. It's like a lot of those songs, you know, they may have an older rendition, but then they modernize it. Okay, but my brain still remembers the old one. <laughs> I can listen to the new one over and over again, but I'll, I'll get it, and then when I go to sing it, I'm going to sing the old thing again. But I've never forgotten it. 
Is there anybody here that loves my Jesus? Anybody here who really, really loves the Lord? I want to know if you love my Jesus. I want to know. That's the question. Is there anybody here that loves my Jesus? Is there anybody here who really, really, really loves the Lord? Is there anybody here who loves the Lord so much that they're willing to follow him? Is there anybody here who really loves the Lord, who can commit their lives to loving others? Is there anybody here who really, really loves the Lord, can love others, can go for God? Who can fulfill the purpose of the one who loves them? Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 And amen.